0: Celtic stuff live. Welcome to Celtic Stuff Live on CLNS Radio, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage. For Boston Sports, I'm your host, Justin Poulin, and back in the saddle, John Duke. You can follow us on Twitter, at CSL underscore tweet live for the show. Follow me, at CSL underscore Justin. John, at CSL underscore Duke. The entire CLNS Radio network is at CLNS Radio Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash CLNS fans and download the CLNS Radio app for iOS and Android. Simply search CLNS Radio in your app marketplace and how can we forget Jared Weiss and the full-length locker room interviews and the Garden Report on the YouTube channel YouTube.com forward slash CLNS radio for all of that content. Love being part of CLNS radio. Love being part of Thanksgiving, John. What a, I know it's Monday morning. Everybody's getting back to work, but I stuffed my face maybe a couple of days. I know there's still leftovers, but I'll be traveling this week, which might be a saving grace for me. But I hope you had a, I hope you had a nice Thanksgiving, my friend.
1: It was busy. It was very busy up here in Maine. We had a lot going on, a lot of family, a lot of eating, a lot of eating. Did I mention there was some eating, too? I uh, did the whole Christmas decorations thing the next day, and the house is ready. The kids are all nestled, all snug in their beds. Did visions of, well, you know, rest. It's good. It was a good weekend. We had a good time. You're going to tell
0: me I'm crazy. here. So last year, my wife, is her birthday is always right before Thanksgiving. So it was Sunday before Thanksgiving. This year, obviously, last year, I think it was that Friday because we hit a leap year, so it always jumps two days. So let's say it was Friday last year. But we have now done two major projects. Last year, the project was huge. I started taking the backsplash tile off the walls and... That had been here since the house was built like 10 years ago. And when I started pulling the tiles off, off came the walls. So I had to like do complete reno with my entire family showing up in four days. And we did. No we pressure. got it. No pressure. We got that one done, which was fantastic. But then this year, Hey, why not rip up the carpet in the living room and throw down some, some vinyl wood flooring to uh you know kick off we had to get it down before the tree went in and i have been refurbishing the deck off the uh side of the house off the slider from the kitchen and i dove into that job as well spent seven hours on that saturday plus we did the tree and the decorating so there you go i need a vacation from my vacation as the cliche goes (laughs)
1: I'm to go away on, on work, <laughs> on a work trip for a long, long time, it sounds like.
0: Right, well, it is going to be a little bit of a work trip this week, but it's not going to be a breather. Big stuff going on, uh, with the company over the holidays. Got a big new customer coming on board, but the Celtics, uh, did not give us a letdown over the holiday week, which hopefully is a good sign for what will happen come The new year, because if you remember last season, major letdown around the holidays. This team finally getting healthy. I think if we look back at the week, I said they'd go 2-1, and one, that Minnesota would mirror the Pelicans game, just obvious uh, parallels between Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Davis, and that obviously did play out. Celtics down 15 with four minutes to go in the third quarter, but they climb back and go away with the win, 99-93. to The Brooklyn Nets game, I know a lot of people wanted to say it was a blowout, but I think it was actually really close the whole way through. Brooklyn is always going to rise to the occasion against the Boston Celtics. Yeah, it was a 19-point win in the end, but most of that came down the stretch in the final half of the fourth quarter. And then, day after Turkey Day, and an early start, and usually those odd time starts in the past, we've seen a little bit of a letdown effort, but the Celtics came out hot, really hot in the first quarter led San Antonio. Things started to fade as we approached halftime and and I'm not sure if it's San Antonio was buckling down the defense or if the Celtics just were not finding their groove the way that they were passing and and attacking sort of some of the lanes and even Avery Bradley's baseline drives weren't there as much in the especially in the second half. So they do fall 109-103. I nailed it. So I'm I'm back into my predictive ways, John. After a really miserable week a couple weeks ago, I know you said three and zero, but that San Antonio game it really was winnable.
1: Yeah, you know that that was a game that without I'm not going to blame the officials. The Celtics were playing against a far superior team, but that was one of the worst officiated games I've seen this season, and. Both sides had a lot to complain about. I think there was a few calls that, that probably hurt the Celtics more than, than, than the, the San Antonio. But you've got to be proud, I think, as the Celtics should be, in where they are at this point. They took a, a shot uh, against the the. The second best team, I or maybe the third best team, certainly in the, in the hand, top handful of teams in this league, they took their best shot and, and really played with them for all 48 minutes. At no point was the game a blowout, and no point were the Celtics out of it. I mean, they show that they were in San Antonio's class, if, if not just a hair below that. And I think that's what we really are looking for, in my mind, is the Celtics are looking for opportunities to show that, one, they're better than the rest of the league, uh, of, of that kind of middle class, that middling middle class that exists particularly in the East, and that they are within shooting distance of those top-tier teams, the San Antonios, Golden States, Clevelands, and and, and maybe the Clippers, depending upon how you view them. To be a, a, a Friday afternoon game against the San Antonio Spurs really confirmed that. I like where the Sox are. I like their opportunities. I like where they're headed. But they're still just not quite there.
0: No, they're not, but how much of that is the slow start health-wise to the beginning of the season? I know you said, really, San Antonio being uh, another tier up from the Celtics, and I do agree with that, especially until the Celtics prove otherwise. But having said that, that game was very competitive the whole way through. Even when it did start to slip away, the Celtics climbed right back into it and regained the lead, closing out the third quarter. Hated the way... The the execution was in the final I think forty something seconds of that third quarter it wound up being a six point swing where the Celtics went went from up five to down one really detailed well on Celticsblog.com. dot com there was a nice breakdown article over there about how that went and how it was just a sign of really not not well-executed play in a big swing, and it definitely gave San Antonio momentum riding into the fourth in a certain level of comfort. But it really does seem to me that a lot of this is, is just the health. They have not had a chance to get, completely fluid, and the rotations from that first to second unit still is not great. I know Brad has made the adjustment, and actually, if you listen to yesterday's show, Larry H. Russell and uh, he had two good guests, Ryan Bernadone, good friend of the show here, being one of them, but with his other guest, they talked a little bit, and, and uh, I'm, his name is eluding me, but from Real GM, and I think it's Keith... Mm, not placing it. I should look it up. Richards. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely Keith Richards. Keith I want to say it's Keith Smith, and I feel like an idiot for not knowing. I just listened to it, you know, yesterday afternoon. But I am going to say they talked a little bit about those rotations and how it's very curious that Isaiah Thomas or Al Horford is always out there or Avery Bradley and even the Al Horford substitution pattern in the third quarter where he's spanning the third into the fourth quarter is really an interesting strategy of Brad's but he has to do it because that continuity there's no leader in the second unit whatsoever
1: right well and that's to be expected isn't it right because you you're as we talked about in the early going they just didn't have enough players who were able to kind of take a take a leap forward in that group it was full of second and third year players guys who were really trying to find their way guys right now who need to establish their own games but need to be able to play with veterans who can cover up some of their mistakes and i think we saw that most appreciably against against you know the Minnesota Timberwolves on Monday, and and their efforts there against the Timberwolves. You had Horford out there, and he had a largely second unit group that allowed Rozier to maybe find kind of find some footing, I guess, as a player, and did really led that comeback in my mind uh in, as they kind of went from the third into the fourth quarter there against against Minnesota. To me, that's what there have to be. There's going to have to be that intermingling so that. These guys can build some confidence, build something with their games, and then and then work on taking those those shortcomings out. It's you can't expect a second year player to be to play like a veteran. It's just not not a reasonable expectation. But to be able to have a guy out there like an Al Horford, he can erase so many mistakes that allows you to kind of take that next level. And I think that's what, what Rozier. The difference for Rozier now versus Rozier in the early stages where. They were missing smart, then they missed Horford and Crowder, and he was asked to assume a role he really wasn't ready for. Now I think with a guy like Horford on the floor with him, he can play the role he's meant to be playing, which is energy guy, using his speed, playing his defense, hitting the open shot. That's gonna get, that's gonna allow us to get the most out of Terry Rosier in the long run. I think it's, I think it's genius by Brad, and I think we'll see more of it as Crowder's health kind of returns back to normal.
0: Well, these players do have to develop. We'll talk a little bit more about Kelly Olenek on the show. I know he said a lot last week as well, but he really just has to find that confidence and that level of aggressiveness, and I think that'll help anchor that second unit too. We'll get into that. However... Um, I also, we have to, we have to mention the San Antonio game and David Lee, who is just such a punk for the way he did the Celtics. I know the team was so above board on this last year, but what a, I got my championship. I'm not going to work out. Now I'm playing for the squad. Remember last year, this year we have the benefit of saying it was injuries that slowed them down out of the gate. But if you remember last year, David Lee was a big reason why this team was slow out of the gate. Yeah,
1: David Lee was was part of the problem, not the solution. And I think ultimately, while when we went down to Dallas last year, there was some crowing about how much they had improved with David Lee after the Celtics had cut him. Let's not let anybody fool anybody here. David Lee is not going to make anyone forget David West, and and David Lee, while. As an off the bench guy, an energy guy, he has value. If he, if he was healthy, he would be a valuable player here doing what he did. But I think that he took up too much oxygen in the room for the Celtics. And so for him to be play as the fourth or fifth big, even on this team, probably would have been too much. Probably wouldn't have been able to do that. A guy like Pop can get away with that, and and he played well. You got, you got to give him credit. But the Celtics were were easy pickings for him. A team that already doesn't rebound the ball very well. I mean, that's just that's just ready made for David Lee to have a big game.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point. A team that is, I believe, last in the league in rebounding efficiency is really just they're disgusting I mean it's it's really rough and hopefully Horford will start to swing that around it has been better the differentials just game to game with rebounding so hopefully with Al Horford being healthy and even Jay Crowder again maybe he's not a huge rebounder but he contributes uh, just the way boxing out his body his size it's definitely necessary and i got to tell you this story, too, over Thanksgiving. So you may remember, well, I know you remember, there may be some longer-term listeners to the show uh that remember the dad head back when I went by the moniker <laughs> Jughead, and we did a live show. uh Obviously, my dad would call into the show, and he referred to himself as the dad head. And he is watching the game against the Nets and losing his mind over isaiah thomas the pull-up threes and then just the total creation of play from the top of the key and just driving it in without really looking to dish he was losing it i don't like it i don't like it i don't like him and you may remember some of the calls to the show about rondo in similar fashion john could,
1: could i don't think any of us could possibly forget such a thing i remember <laughs> i remember i remember the rondo just Just not a lot of love there. Not a lot of love for Rajan. Which you you then
0: placed on me. It was like guilty by parental association.
1: I don't think I placed it on you. If I remember correctly, I don't believe Deadhead said that he couldn't hit the side of the backboard. I'm pretty sure that was that was Dude, the, uh, that son happened because
0: Head. he legitimately missed it multiple times. I mean, <laughs> it wasn't like it wasn't like I was making a comment that was unfair. Like it literally had just happened in games.
1: Yeah, I I don't know. I What's mean, your take
0: on the Isaiah Thomas ball hogging? Because what? Is that a thing? there is, is really a little thing? bit of a thing that's I mean, I'm just telling you it, there was a stretch of time but there are moments where Isaiah definitely And I know they've worked him off ball and he is a decent distributor and it's not like he doesn't look to bail out but there are moments when he takes early shots in the shot clock or he'll drive against three guys right up the gut and he didn't get the calls in the Nets game. I think that's the other reason, because I was telling my dad, I was like, listen, part of it is he's the only one who can get to the free throw line. I mean, mm-hmm. he's going to have nights where he might go 7 for 22, but then he's got another 10 to 12 on free throws, and he's the only player on this team that can do that.
1: Well, that's it. I To me, the thing with him is that he's the guy. I mean, there's no other player on this team that has that, that ability to take over a game or wants the big shot—that's important. I mean, that's not—that's that, a part. That's a big reason why the Celtics, the '08 Celtics, worked. Is that KG could have been that guy, but he wasn't. Just like Horford. Horford isn't that guy. He doesn't want the big. He wants to make the big play, as we saw uh, again, you know, the other night again. <laughs> but but this against uh, Detroit. But this is not. That's not his role. Uh, as good as Crowder ever will be i at this point, I don't see Bradley being that guy, but he keeps making a fool out of me, so who knows, but right now, the only guy on this team that wants that shot is Isaiah Thomas, you know Evan Turner's gone, so can you can you blame him to, that they give him the ball? Do they do it to a fault? Yeah, they do, but I don't see any other option out there right now. The only thing we can hope for is the other players improve to the point where they have enough confidence to where they don't shirk from the role. But there's no one else who has that ability to take over a game or to be the, the guy who turns it around. And, and you can't argue with the results right now. Now, well No, the numbers well, definitely, definitely in-
0: indicate he's going back to the All-Star game if if this continues.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think the issue to me is, will it then become, will, do they become too reliant on him so that when, when the playoff time comes, and that's really what this is, this whole season is about, when it comes to playoff time, are they so reliant on him that they can't play another way? And they can't let, they can't have somebody else help bring them out of, um, you know, kind of where the, you know, kind of the ruts they can find themselves in. To, to my, to my point right now, the only guy who has a slight ability to do that is they'll run something to get uh Bradley some sort of 50 18 foot jumper. That's the only other guy who That's has not good that enough.
0: Of... He's going to have to That's continue to be cool. able to drive. And if that means it's backdoor cuts and, you know, moves along the baseline and whatnot, but if he doesn't get to the rim, it is going to be an issue. They're just going to wind up loading up on Isaiah and, they're they've not historically been good enough perimeter shooters to win games from outside. They definitely knock some down. Marcus Smart, despite his three point shooting percentage, does hit some clutch threes. And Terry Rozier hit you know to your point in the game against the T- the T Wolves hit some really nice shots. Definitely a three pointer to to help pull them back into the game. But at the end of the day, nobody is generating any offense except for Isaiah Thomas at the free-throw line, and they really need somebody else who can be aggressive inside like that.
1: They do. They do need to find somebody else inside, outside, any side. They need somebody. I I think the biggest thing that that concerns me is the inability of people to drive to the basket. And that, I think, has to be more about putting the ball on the floor and driving as opposed to the cuts because that – That's something that can be there and not be there, and particularly against good teams, a team like Atlanta. They're last year in the playoffs.
0: Right, would just rotate over the way KG and Perk used to work together and just shut that down. They'd head you to the corner and not let you get through, and they always had a help defender to slide over to that side. Um, I think that's a great point, but you know who is who on this team can do that? Because there really isn't anybody who's going to generate that offense. I don't think. You can just rely on somebody who's a sweet shooting. Here's my point: you couldn't trade on a bargain deal and get like a JJ Redick and expect it to expect him to solve the problem. Even if even if you have somebody who shoots forty percent from outside, it still isn't going to solve the problem. Somebody else has to be able to get to the free throw line in the closing moments of games, in my opinion. Well, that's I think there's a, there's a
1: couple answers to that. In the long term, the answer is Jalen Brown. I think Jalen Brown is a guy that's shown even the limited stretches he's playing, even as he's struggled here of late, he's been able to get to the free throw line, you know, almost at will. So there there's that aspect of it. Uh I think in the short term though, that's a harder thing. I don't think Bradley trusts his dribble, and, he, and I can't blame him, but I think he needs to trust it a little bit more than he has. I think also part of it is jay Crowder's return to health will help jay Crowder is is used to driving the ball you know he 'll get that one pass off the swing and he's driving it to the basket right now he hasn't trusted his legs to be able to do that, and he's also still on that minutes restriction. But he's finally shooting the ball pretty well. I think that that's the next thing we should start to look for is once he's starting to catch and drive, and I think once he's doing that, that will help to get him to the free throw line a little bit more, and then maybe creates a little bit more of this inside-outside stuff that they need to do. Yeah, um, but you,
0: are you going to put him on the floor to close games? That's the only other problem with that. Prouders you know who it needs floor. to be? Of
1: course I'm he's just going to be on the floor. What? You're not going to put Crowder on the floor to close Oh, Jalen Brown.
0: No, sorry. I thought you were would... no, – no, you're no, right. No. You're right. Crowder has to be the guy. He's got yeah. the ability, and he has started to bring it back into his game. We, he did it before the ankle injury last year. He did it before the ankle injury this year. It's coming back I... a little bit more quickly, but yeah. he has to be able to get that that first step and then even if he's got a bully a little bit you know what would be really great for Crowder's game and I know it's it sounds a lot of, it's easy it's far easier to say than it is to do but if he he's got the range if he could just get that little you know pull-up jumper from the elbow like Paul and I'm not saying to execute it the way Paul did I just mean that little moment that not just the three ball that he hits, But then when he's driving in, they still hedge off of him because they know that he can pull up and hit that or they come in too close and then he gets around him. It almost give him like two layers to, to attack before going right to the rim where he Mm -hmm. could get his defender Mm -hmm. on, on their heels a little bit. If, if, and again, Paul's, the way Paul set that up is legendary. That's, that's not an easy shot, but if Jay could just, you know, again, be able to stop on a little bit of a dime. Maybe he doesn't fall away from the elbow the way Paul could. Maybe he just goes right up into it. But if he could just hit it with consistency and be a threat, I think he'd get to the rim even easier. I agree with you. No, I think
1: I think that's the next progression for him. He he's been able. He's been working on that three point shot the last two summers, and with great great success. I think he's going to have a real good year shooting the three ball. We've already seen that in the limited ability he has in being out there. And when he gets to the rack, he's strong enough that he can, he can go against most guys. But if he could add a little bit of that in between, right now he goes so hard, it's, it's reckless abandon. If he could find a way to kind of just stop and pull up, I think he would, you're right. I think that would be hugely beneficial. I'm just not sure it's there for him yet, but you're right. I mean, that's, that's one of those, that's that kind of, you know, multiple tools, I guess, a guy has. I think that's what you're talking about there, right? It's well, the it's sort of like the way you different... run
0: the pick-and-roll and the pick-and-pop. If you're only a role man on pick-and-roll plays, you're predictable. Right. And it's a very – got to have some options as you're driving to the basket. And he's able to get there, and other teams haven't keyed in on him. But as as that becomes more prominent, they're just going to adjust how they defend him, especially if – he's as predictable as Isaiah Thomas in getting that opportunity to close out the game, which is why he's got to have that moment where he can do that, and he has to also have the option to be able to bail out to the corner if he gets to that spot and they defend it the right way to the point where they've closed off his lane and he also can't get up in his shot. Or maybe somebody else is then doing one of, like, maybe that's when Bradley is cutting, you know, along the baseline. And maybe that's Mm -hmm. where he's looking for that backdoor pass, you know, because the defense is coming out and playing up on him. I mean, it's always about reading the defense and then finding the opportunity. But I just think a lot of things could happen. And I know everybody wants to say the mid-range game is dead, but it's already coming out. I know Ryan Bernadone talked about it recently, but it is time to say that 3 and D, you know, has, has maybe not ended but the mid range game has gotta come back because now it's almost like teams have gotten so fatigued in doing defending the uh the mid range game that the opportunity will represent itself well that's absolutely right it, it, you're and we you're knew this harder. would happen it was just a matter of when
1: yeah i i'm not i mean i don't think i don't think it's dead I don't think it's done, but I do think that. A guy who can make that mid-range, who takes what the defense is giving him, let's call it that. A, a, a player who can give what the defense is, you know, take what the defense is giving them and make, make, make points out of it, make headway out of that. They're going to be much further ahead. And so a guy like Jay Crowder or any of these guys for that matter, if they can score at all three levels, in the three-point area, at the basket, and in the mid I mean, they're, they're a threat everywhere. So he's got to make that stretch, and I think all of these guys, every player on this team, you know, you look at Rozier. Rozier has has gotten better on the three; he's starting to get a little bit stronger on finishing. Can he hit that mid-range? I think he's kind of in that same area as Jay is, where they've worked on that three-point shot. Now they need to kind of be able to, to hit in between and really keep defenses guessing. Not to to move on, but let's talk. Marcus Smart is another guy who I think right now people would say, well, he should work on the three and then work his way in. But as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, I think he should take more of the Avery Bradley approach, which is work his way from the mid-range on out. And, and he had some success with that early in the year, but the last four games he's only shooting 24%. To me, it's because he hasn't been taking those mid-range shots. He's been all outside or inside, and he hasn't kind of built that comfort, that base of comfort that Bradley used to feel good about his shooting and then work his way out from. So that's one thing I'd like to see him do is maybe, as opposed to Jay and, and Rozier, who maybe have kind of, Figured out the ends uh, and, and and more traditionally in the way we want to be playing in today's NBA. I think he needs. I think Smart needs to kind of go in the opposite direction, feel better about the mid-range where he seems to have a little bit of success, and then work his way out from there.
0: I'm glad you brought up Marcus Smart, and we're going to get into that a little bit more when we come back from the break. But one thing I am going to say about Rozier, it was Keith Smith of Real GM and uh, also SB Nation that was on uh Celtics Beat with Larry H Russell yesterday but the other thing he mentioned that I thought I hadn't really paid much attention to was that Rozier really doesn't go to his left very much and in that discussion that you were you and I were just having about Jay Crowder and everything else I don't know how much I've seen Jay go to his left either, and uh, I'm going to have to pay a little bit more close attention to that. I'm certain that he goes to the left, and maybe he dribbles with the left plenty, but I'm not so sure, and eventually Mm -hmm. that drive game gets influenced on that as well. If you can't dribble with the left hand you're going to have it find difficulty getting into the paint so that might be something to to pay a little bit closer attention to all right before we head out to well we're going to head to the break right now before we get back into the Marcus Smart discussion because I did have something and and I haven't told you yet John but we've already gone a little old school in this show and done some flashbacks (laughs) and I do want to get into Marcus Smart and it's funny Because I was absolutely going to compare him to Avery Bradley. So you've teed it up really nice. And and we're going to go to that when we come back from the break. But first, a word from a couple of sponsors. Blue Apron is our newest. John and I talked extensively about Blue Apron and the quality of their food and fresh ingredients last week. To kind of kick off their their sponsorship. But a reminder that Blue Apron's mission is to make incredible home cooking accessible to everybody. And I think I mentioned last week the fact that when we put the food on the plate, it looked exactly like it did on the ingredients and the recipe cards that come with it. I was really blown away. I think the other thing is less than $10 a meal, Blue Apron is going to give you seasonal recipes. They never use the same recipe in a 12-month period, so you're always getting new ones. This is great for somebody who especially, maybe a couple that goes out and eats dinner on the road several nights a week come on you can spend less than ten dollars a meal get some quality time together my wife and I certainly did while we were eating and I think the other thing is for anybody who's counting calories the they're perfectly portioned and the calories are on the recipe card as well so that helps you along and the food really is extremely fresh I cooked the seared chicken the pan seared barramundi which is fish was excellent and you know The other great thing is we're offering you your first three meals free along with free shipping. And all you have to do for that is go to blueapron.com forward slash CSL 2016. You're going to love how good it tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron, so don't wait that's blueapron.com forward slash csl 2016 blue apron a better way to cook and when john and i come back after this word from audible.com we're going to get into to marcus smart his development and some parallels with avery bradley we'll be right back after this all right we're back from the break and we teased it we have to talk about it marcus smart and you already did John, by saying maybe what what needs to happen is Marcus needs to approach shooting from the inside and working backwards. So start with that mid-range and then move out to beyond the arc. And you know what? I think his three-point percentage is hindered a lot by taking those last-second shots with the shot clock winding down. You know, they're not always the the best shots, and they, they don't show up great in the stat sheet. But oftentimes, when the game's on the line, he's knocking them down. Here's my take. This team has a glut of guards. We all know it. We've talked about it ad nauseum. The trade, the imminent trade, you know, trade, trade, the imminent trade. And we have the clay thompson rumor and so we thought maybe that would be a way to to potentially consolidate i was like oh we can't give up jay crowder maybe we could put in like a marcus smart but here's what i think you remember our conversation when avery bradley was clearly being forced into a position of need at point guard when he was so clearly a shooting guard and i will tell you this week has me a believer that marcus smart is a point guard and there are plenty of others who are starting to talk about it. He had a nice week with assists, but a couple weeks ago, you and I were talking about some of his feeds along the baseline, and that he was a much more adept passer than we had realized, and his shot is improving. Will that be the last part of his game, to really be like a scoring, offensive, generating point guard in the mold of and I don't mean to equal, but in the mold of an Isaiah Thomas? Yeah, that's still a ways off, but the passing is far better than I think anybody realized. Pick and roll. He can definitely run that, but he's not in the position to do so. Now he gets a little bit of those ball handling duties when he's out there with the second unit um when the full not the full but the majority of the substitutions have been made but he's usually the first one off the bench and if not the first the second he comes in for Jay Crowder he plays a lot of time at small forward then he can in that three guard lineup then he can be out there when, even if it is a two guard lineup and he's either sharing ball handling duties with Terry Rozier or he's sharing them with Isaiah Thomas it's pretty rare that you see him out there with Avery Bradley when it's not the three guard Lineup, And I know maybe he's already doing so much drawing difficult defensive assignments and, you know, he's already having to, to play a little bit out of position and just the workload on him. But I'm wondering if there may be some detriment or maybe not detriment, but maybe he's being held back by his role on the team instead of at this point going full-fledged, playing the point guard. I mean, really, a six-four strong point guard who can run an offense, who can make the passes, who can play defense and defend three positions because you know it doesn't really matter so much on defense how that's playing out. If he's going to guard the opposing team's three a little bit more, they can make the, the rotations on that. No big deal. They can take, you know, especially like you think about somebody with the versatility, versatility of a Jalen Brown. Well, then you could drop an Avery Bradley down to cover the opposing point guard, you know, as a primary assignment. And Jalen could guard the opposing shooting guard as a primary assignment if the, if Marcus Smart's the best, you know, defender to be able to cover the three in that situation. Those kinds of things are what I'm thinking about. But mostly I think he needs to work with the ball in his hand more.
1: No, I agree with you. I think that that, he needs to be the primary ball handler. I mean, I think that they're taking it out of you know, putting it out into Marcus's hands is makes, gives him the maximum benefit for the team. I think that that for one, he's I'm not I don't know that he's if he is the best playmaker on the team, but he's certainly his skills have improved to such a great degree on that end, and it shouldn't we shouldn't overshadow the fact that Bradley has also improved in being a better passer and better playmaker of sorts. But Marcus's role there, I think, is really the difference maker. It allows. It allows uh, Isaiah to play off the ball more. It allows Bradley to play off the ball and do some different, you know, run off picks and run off screens. I think that that to me has really been so helpful in in allowing Marcus to to find a foothold as an offensive contributor on this team. He's going to need to find that that offense to find the right place for his offense, and I think he feels a little bit more comfortable with that mid-range shot when he is that primary ball handler and primary distributor but to me i i, I agree with you i think that there it is gives a him little more bit
0: space to work with it too, does than just be in the spot shooter as much yeah. as we forced avery bradley into being this point guard and passer and just watching him bring the ball up back then it was obvious it wasn't his role and you want to talk about leaning a little bit too much on dribbling with one hand. He was so much better off ball, but that is the opposite scenario, just as you described, right. with Marcus Smart. He is so much obviously better with the ball in his hands, and it's not a vacuum. He's willing to distribute. He's willing to initiate the offense, and you want to talk about the San Antonio game as a great example Marcus Smart, 10 assists, but I thought the issue and the biggest difference between the first quarter and how things were going late second and most of the third, it got really ugly. Like the ball wasn't moving. It just hit mm-hmm. this vacuum again. Putting the ball in Marcus Smart's hand, in my opinion, is one of the best chances of playing Brad Stevens share the ball type of offense.
1: I think, I think that's true. And I think that his, I don't know if it's an egoless play, but he's certainly a lot less ego. To have the ball sit in Isaiah's hands as the primary scorer, it really doesn't allow that same sort of ethos of, of what Brad Stevens is trying to bring to the floor. I mean, it really doesn't do that. It's one guy, it's, it's one and gun. And that's not what, that's not what Brad wants. It's effective, but it's not what he wants. And, but there's times you need to
0: have that. I think in the overall... Are you tying that to term, our earlier conversation just yeah. before you move forward? So you yeah. do see what I see with Isaiah. You just know it's, he's the only player on the team who can do it and he needs to have the ball in his hands and he needs to be able to draw the defense so that the rest of the team can click. But you do see elements to his game that, that, that maybe the shot selection isn't always
1: 100%. It's a necessary evil. And, and, and I say that in the in the lightest possible terms of evil, because it's effective and it works. And Isaiah is a hell of a player. He's an all star player. He's he's a top five, six point guard in the league. He should be respected and and lauded for what he can do. But for the same reason that I, I Alan Iverson wasn't a sustainable way of building a team successfully. Neither is giving Isaiah the ball and having him go 90 feet and and drive past everybody because by the time you get to May and June, that that type of play is going to be limited. There's going to be teams who are going to take that away from you, and you're going to have to be able to do more than just do that. So you need a guy like Marcus Smart to be not just – you're all everything rebounder defender uh passer but also the scorer and by putting him in that primary ball handler role it allows him and Bradley and and Isaiah really to to find their own spots and to be most effective uh, collectively as a team i'm i'm with you on that in part but i'm also saying i think in the long term This is really where the team needs to be headed. And that's really, I guess, your point too, which is that's Brad Stevens. That's what Brad Stevens wants to see. So I think there's a long and a short-term thing. But I think for, for Marcus to be able to be most effective, he's going to have to get that shot. Because otherwise, they're going to sit back in the passing lanes and take away some of his angles, just as we saw with Rondo. So he's going to have to show that a little bit more. And I'd also like to see him using the dribble a little bit more when he gets to that, that mid-range area to hesitate and go on and use his strength. That's one guy. If he can get more of a shot, he can get to the line as well.
0: I'm trying to remember the play and I want to say it was against Minnesota last week, and it might have been that Zach Levine was guarding him, but he was out on the, the right wing. He received the pass, and he, he dribbled and, and pushed in just a little bit against the defender, but then he made this extremely quick 360 uh mm-hmm. spin move to the right around yep. the defender into the middle of the paint, not along the baseline, but into the middle of the paint and then it was able to go up with it. And I can't remember if it was an and one or not in in the end or if he was just able to complete the play. And I'm I'm having a hard time recalling it. All I remember is how fast the spin move was. And I just thought to myself, you have to have really strong core to pull that off as quick as he did to get around the defender. I mean, sure, there's the element of surprise, but some of it is just God-given talent and athletic ability. And that was on display with that move. And again, I wish I could I could kind of lay it out for you who the definite defender was and whatnot. But those are the kinds of things he needs to get better at. To your point too, obviously, you know, being able to work in the paint, maybe a little hesitation They've got to get in closer to the basket to also keep room out on the perimeter. And I think as we talk about the the second unit, that's one of the frustrating things with Kelly Olynyk. And I don't mean to roast him again on the second straight show, but he deserves some roasting right now. Jonas Derebko and we talked about this, but Jonas Derebko is playing really well right now. Very, very well. He's knocking down those open threes. He's got that nice head fake, and everybody is biting on it. He head fakes. He does another dribble. He doesn't always take the shot. Sometimes he's looking to create a play and get the ball in closer, but he does get a second open look beyond the arc because everybody is biting on that right now. But his play is it's just heads up. It's just heads up, he, you know, he played 11 minutes against the Spurs and he had 7 points and 3 rebounds, you know, just 3 for 4 shooting. He's just working very efficiently. And then you go over and you look at Kelly Olynyk and yes, he's an excellent team defender. His knowledge of the game is great. And to our conversation that we ha- just had a little bit about Isaiah and, and the team and the offense in general and how to get Marcus more involved. Kelly is a adept passer who is always looking to pass. But if we're going to go one way and always. nitpick Isaiah Thomas, we're going to go the other way and nitpick Kelly, yep. man, it will be nice when he has the confidence to stroke that three-pointer when it's Jeez. open because he's got to shoot it to, to really help his teammates on the second unit. But here's the other thing. It's not just that. He got stuffed a couple of times being aggressive around the rim, and now he looks like he's been alpha-dogged. He doesn't even look comfortable down there anymore. And the truth is, he needs to keep going up strong and draw fouls because he's not only one of the best three-point shooters, but he's going to be, if not already. It just doesn't spend a lot of time at the free-throw line he is a guy with the right number of head fakes and post moves. Athletically, I get it. He's never going to be a Kevin Love in the paint or whatnot, but he could get to the free throw line quite a bit. It may not be easy buckets; he might have to earn them, but he but he can earn them because of his skill set.
1: He could. And Kelly, let's 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 do this. I've we've been I I wanted to use this this night to really go after Kelly in the same way that that we've been really harping on Tyler Zeller's struggles and let's just say to for Tyler's benefit I think he also had a pretty decent game uh, against the the Minnesota Timberwolves there on on uh, on Monday night but <laughs> Kelly Kelly did have a good game Friday. I think that was the first good game we'd seen out of Kelly since he had his 16-point kind of outburst, and I think that was his second game back. Ever since then, it had been pretty pretty crappy a run of games for Kelly Olenek. I still don't think he's where he needs to be, but I feel like in the last few games, Kelly's trying to put his nose to the grindstone a bit, and, and that's in a, in a Kelly O'Lytic type fashion and trying to do the things that they need him to do, which is to take the shots, be more, um, aggressive, not not aggressive, but be more purposeful in what he does. Four for six. I think it is Uh, aggressive. Yeah. Three steals. I thought he had active hands. He was doing the things that Kelly Olynyk does. Now, what we'd like to see him do is do what Kelly Olynyk did last year and then take another step beyond that. Grab a couple extra boards. Um, don't pass out of the open three as easily as you do. I think those are the things that we would like to see, that progression. The, the stupid- I don't know.
0: See, all right, hold on, though. Are you, aren't you? are you willing? Here's where I divide it with Kelly, okay? I'm willing to give him a pass on not expanding his game because he had no opportunity to do right. so in the offseason. That's where I was going to go. So yep. I'm not going to hammer him for that. I am going to hammer him for not being aggressive or wilting just because – when he, I mean, there were some games early in his return where he really tried to work it inside. And he was aggressive. He wasn't successful, but he was aggressive. But this is the whole point. How does he learn to do it if he doesn't keep trying to do it? And he isn't going to get any respect from the officials for the one or two times that he's working inside and he gets maybe what would normally be a more ticky tack foul. Well, once you're in there more often, you get those, which means then you get to the free-throw line, and that helps everybody. It also, if him being a threat will get some space, he's really good at that show-and-then-go move. And a lot of times, he shows and then looks to pass the ball. But actually, I think he could get the most aggressive room driving the lane because he is so smooth. Once he gets respect for the outside shot pulls his big man defender who he's going to even though he doesn't have great lateral movement and a quick step like a three, he's got a lot for a four or a five once he does once he pump fakes and the defender draws he can get around him and his length does the rest. He's already got the the shot blocker out of the way. they're not in the paint they're not there to clean up so once you're by that guy, all you gotta do is get the ball up high. Make a couple of, you know, side, maybe little zigzag move on your way in. Go left to right or right to left. And then just try to finish a little strong around the basket. And I'm not saying throw it down or dunk or anything. I'm just saying keep heading towards the hoop. And that would work wonders for him and this offense. And it would put him, you know, on the line to get some easy points from the charity stripe.
1: It would. That's the diversification his game needs.
0: But it's there. I, he just doesn't. do Well,
1: it. yeah. But if you're not doing it, it doesn't matter, right? It's like it's like anything. I mean, we could. I don't want to go to Jalen Brown, but any of these guys can do these things. It's a question of whether or not they have the confidence to do them. You That's know, not true. I mean, that
0: is not true. There, I, are, I think there are guys I, who think they can do those true. things, and Jalen Brown is one of them. But sometimes when he starts to do it, it's a mess. And I, and I get that. Like it's, it, it's the work in progress, but we have to separate that. I know that Kelly Olinick can do what we just described. He just doesn't. Now, can Jalen Brown eventually be, you know, excellent at driving? Yeah, he yeah. can, but right now he gets all kinds of charging calls because he doesn't know what he's doing when he heads into it. But that's Kelly that, compare, Definitely knows. You can't
1: you can't compare Kelly Olynyk and, and Jalen Brown that way. It's like saying that why isn't KG a a, a go to dominant scorer like Paul Pierce is? No, the my point why is, is that they
0: attack in different ways with different no, skill sets. No, but Kelly can do it. He's
1: done it. It's routinely. not. That's not. But you but you're missing the point, which is it's mentality. It's about what he believes he can do. Kelly no, Olinick, I totally agree with that. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying Kelly Olinick has the skill to do those things. He just doesn't believe in mentally that that's the way he's wired. Just like KG isn't wired the way that Paul Pierce is wired. I think with Jalen Brown, it's a different story in that he, his, his skills need refinement and all that. We know Kelly he thinks he can do it,
0: him. and now he's discovering right. that it's not as easy because these guys have been around the block.
1: Totally, yeah, yeah. There's a there's an adjustment period there. Kelly knows
0: he can do it subconsciously. Yeah, I think we are saying the same thing. The frustrating yeah. thing is Kelly absolutely can do it, and Jalen can't yet. And it is a mentality thing. If if you took Jalen's mentality and stuck it in Kelly, we'd probably see it. But Kelly is so unselfish and really was a point guard before the the big growth spurt. It's in his nature to do that, but it's also in his nature... To be able to handle the ball better than most people his size and he should use that to his advantage and mentally somebody needs to get it across to him that not only can he, but he should be a little bit more ball hockey. He should try to, you know what he should, he should try to get hot without shooting four three pointers in a row because that's typically when you <laughs> see him finally get confident as he knocks down four in a row, which is great. Believe me, it's great. But yeah. it can't be the only way that you get your groove on. He needs to get into right. a zone multiple different ways, and he needs to be able to 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 sort of shake it off when it doesn't work and keep coming mm-hmm. back.
1: Well, I th- yeah, and I think that that's it, it's it's about believe. It's about finding different ways to do what you do. Right? It's it's you know you know you can rely on this. There's always gonna be a ball that's gonna go up off the backboard and you're gonna have a chance to get it and you're seven feet tall. And I know you you know, and you've gotta have that's gotta be something you're not gonna get to everyone, that's just not who you are. But you gotta do a little bit more. You know, you can make the right pass, you can make a screen, you can make a cut. There's a lot of things you can do, they're just part of the game. But that open shot is there. He gets know? a and,
0: perpetual pass for not yeah. being a plus rebounder from me forever. Yeah. No problem. yeah, No problem. Don't expect him to. No, it's not in his nature. Maybe there'll be some situations where he gobbles them, but for the most part, right. he's not going to be, maybe not even be an average rebounder for his position. Mm-hmm. 100% acceptable to me. But at least be an adequate one. No, right? effort. And we know he puts you know? in effort. Right. He's just not always aggressive. and Right and and I don't think that that's necessarily the issue with rebounding. A lot of that is leaping. I know it starts with the base and boxing out, but if he'll give you that, he's a smart baller and those are the kinds of things that he wants to give you. But then once the ball comes caroms off the backboard and the and the rim and starts coming back into a crowd, the other trees just have better leaping ability and they're going to steal him away from him. He can get mm-hmm. some, but he's just not Jared Sullinger level rebounder, not ever going to be. And listen, we got to wrap the show in five. This is going to be a long-standing conversation. That second unit, and we're going to have lots of discussions around Olenek, Smart, and obviously Rozier because those are probably the three key points. And later in the season, I think Jalen Brown. I'm definitely (laughs) tempering my expectations (laughs) after recent weeks. I think he's got it, but he's just going to be. It's going to be a moment. Where all of a sudden he finally it clicks and he needs some time, um, he's the rook, he's the rook. So yeah. let's look ahead. <laughs> see, see how I snuck that in there?
1: Yeah, uh, I don't know.
0: You don't like the nickname? <laughs> I'm not there. I'm You're not, not there. It's the chess Sorry. with the fact that he's a rookie and he's I really get little. it. Yeah, I know.
1: I got uh, you. I'm Kyle know. Draper.
0: Kind of liked it. Not everybody else did. I'm just saying.
1: I mean, he's he, come up with a poet though. So. You know, yeah. Well, I think the, books, the, rook the rook is definitely better poet. than the poet. Yes, just saying. Sorry, sorry, Kyle. Sorry, Kyle. Yeah.
0: All right, let's <laughs> let's look ahead to this week coming up. We got four games on tap. Yeah. Now, last week you said three and zero. I said two and one. I'm I'm I've got a I've got a method to my madness that's working. I'm going to look at these four games. Monday against the Heat, night off. Wednesday against the Pistons, night off, and then a back to back with Sacramento in Boston on Friday. Then they travel south, take on the 76ers on the road, second night of a back-to-back. I got to put a loss in here somewhere. It's inevitable. I'm going to say they're going to go 3-1. and I want to say the Kings at home might be the loss just because you never know with DeMarcus Cousins and look at the fits that the big men have given the Celtics. But I actually think it's more likely that it's going to be the Detroit Pistons. I think Andre Drummond can Ooh. give them trouble the same way Greg Monroe has. hasn't always cost them the game, but I think if that's where the loss is, it probably sits with the matchup against Detroit. Plus, it it might be a little bit of a, a subtle hump day sleeper for them, whereas Friday and Saturday, you know, they've got the Kings and you know Isaiah's going to want to play, in front, you know, against his former team and really lift him up. He's always loves – Seeing his buddy Demarcus Cousins, and then the Seventy Sixers on the road—I mean, that goes without saying. So that's that's—I mean, Joel Embiid. Maybe if they lifted the minutes restriction, I might be even a little bit more concerned about that game. But only playing twenty-five minutes a night, I still feel pretty good about it. And you know, the team is four and thirteen. So keep trusting the process.
1: <laughs> keep trusting the pro- That's Right? Yeah. Uh Well, you know, I I was I did say three and zero last week. You look, I'm not gonna say it didn't count, but I do think, you know, I think there was something to be said for how the officials uh, called that game the other night. I'm going, I'm going 4-0. I don't think, that, I think the way that the games are spaced out helps the Celtics. I don't think Miami is, is all that good, certainly with Bosch's issues. Um, they're spaced out. I think that maybe the biggest concern is Detroit, but that being a home game, I think that the Celtics are a better team than Detroit. I think they're starting to figure that out and starting to come together as a group. I'm I'm really thinking four zero this week. I I really think this is the Celtics are going to start to hit a stride here. They've got a, a bit of a weak schedule here before they hit, start to head on the road. I think this is some time to make some hay and make up for their really the slow start they had with some some injuries. So four zero, baby. Let's see how we can do it this week.
0: Boy, it would be nice because then that record would be thirteen and seven the next time you and I speak, which is a uh, way way closer to the pace that we were expecting from this club heading into the year you know that's sixty six percent of your wins base and you know not quite, but right there one more win gets you fourteen and seven that's sixty six percent on the season, and that's really I think where we're we were expecting this team to perform at. So hopefully a week from now, you'll be right. I would be more than happy to be wrong, but I just, I still think they have hiccups in, or a hiccup in their giddy up or a hitch in their giddy up or whatever. They're just not quite there yet. Jay Crowder's health and being 100%, which it looks like he's extremely close. Obviously played well against the Spurs after a little bit of a setback earlier in the week, but I do think that they're very, very, very close. To being one hundred percent, but I'm still thinking two more weeks. You and I talked about that before. I still think they're they're probably two weeks away. Two weeks away from finding their their stride, the groove. Yeah, and and then I'm hoping that the holidays don't take them right back out of it like last year. That's the thing I'm watching.
1: Yeah, I'm a little bit more optimistic than that. I, I do think that they're going to be. Uh, going we be fine. I just feel like you know, looking at how they played there on, on Friday afternoon, to me that's a team that, that's not exactly there but getting very, very close. That bench is starting to find its way. I think Crowder being a little bit closer to healthy. Smart maybe figuring out his shooting. I think they're there. I think they're I think they're going to be yeah, there this week. 4 th- 0 baby. St- still the, prone to it.
0: still prone still prone to playing down to the opponent. That's my concern couple more weeks before they iron out all of that but we'll see we'll be back in a week Uh, i'm gonna try to line up a thursday morning or friday morning interview this week we have played phone tag with adam kaufman so obviously you know him from celtics at seven and we also uh, have spoken with mike gorman we're gonna catch him at some point in the next few weeks in the midst of a road trip, we'll be definitely reaching out to a lot of our, our staple guests. We're ready to go back into the rotation. So your Forsbergs, your Wester Westerhomes, your Sean Grandy's, they're all going to be back here uh, as we go through the holidays and into 2017. Right around the corner, Thanksgiving is down. And New Year's and uh, you know the uh, the late December holidays on the way this broadcast will be available on demand on the CNS radio mobile app as well as cNnsradio dot com. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter. Follow me, at CSL underscore Justin. John is at CSL underscore Duke. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. You can support this show by subscribing to Celtic Stuff Live on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to give us a rating and a review. Your feedback is extremely important to us. Today's show brought to you by audible.com as well as blue apron. They've got a great deal for all of you listeners, but most importantly, you would be supporting our show and listening to great audio content on Audible or enjoying some delicious home-cooked meals from blueapron.com. Thanks to the loyal Ceilanus Radio audience who makes it all worthwhile. And for staff writer Eddie Santiago, program director Larry H. Russell, the founder of CLNS Radio, Nick Jelso, and my co-host, John Duke. I'm Justin Poulin. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of Celtic Stuff Live.
1: Celtic Stuff Live.